so many people have said, Pastor Scott, I've taken up the challenge to, to read the Bible. This week I was getting ready for supper time. And I got a text message from somebody with all the check marks. And I, it was somebody I didn't know was reading through the Bible in a year. And, and they, they said, hey, I'm up to date. I've been doing it. And I was like, yes, praise the Lord. And somebody I didn't think would even do that. And I get email and I've been doing good. I, people will tell me I'm listening to the audio Bible in a year. I've always had troubles uh, doing the reading through it and I have difficulties with sitting down and reading so I'm listening to it I'm saying praise the Lord I know there might be your husband might say you're cheating but by listening to it but I'm glad you're listening to it or reading it or or some people say I'm reading through it chronologically or I'm I'm reading this plan and and so many people have come and told me I'm reading through and I'm like praise the Lord and I'm just saying, keep it up. Keep it up. But I'd like to, as I begin this morning, I'd like to take you back in my life to when I was just gotten out of Bible school. And I was excited about serving the Lord. And I began my ministry time up at Path Life Camp, serving with Charlie Clark. And I was looking around and and I was like, man, Lord, this is so worth it. And, and I just think, I, I just enjoy doing this. Seeing kids come to know the Lord is their Savior. Talking to Tom, and he was telling me about the, the winter retreat this weekend. And I enjoy doing winter retreats, having those kids come in. And, and they would build, the, there was one group that built a fully functional igloo. And, and I just thought that those were some of the neatest things at sleigh riding weekends and horseback riding and the swimming pool. And I just I just thought, wow, this is a neat place and God can really use this. And, and God, I'm loving doing this ministry. And it was exciting. Kids were getting saved. The gospel was going out. And, and I was so, so excited. And during those days, during those hot summer days, I had, I, I got to tell you, I had an addiction. I really, really did. Something that got me through all those first few years of camp. And it was either Coke or Pepsi. I would get up in the morning after long night and I would just like, that was my coffee. And I can remember one time just getting through a summer at camp and I got a Pepsi. And you want to know what I saw? On that Pepsi, I saw this advertisement. I'm going to put it up here. Here we go. Enter for your chance to play for a billion dollars with Pepsi. I go, oh. I remember talking to the Lord. I was like, God, you know, we're about the poorest camp I think that there is. I, I know that that's not the truth anymore. But at the time, that's how I felt. <laughs> I know it's not the truth anymore. I know that there are camps that aren't haven't been as blessed as as Path of Life has. But I remember sitting there and I, I remember going, Lord God, we're sharing the gospel here. Kids are getting saved. This is a fun place with lots of potential. God, 
How about a billion dollars? It's a you. Well, I promise, Lord, if that cat, if that, this kappa has that billion dollars, we'll, we'll use it for you. Our swimming pool's falling apart, Lord. We could do that. We need new saddles. Charlie has more ideas that he would love to do, and I have no idea how it's going to do it. I said, God, you could you could just give us a billion dollars. And so I think I think like every day for a month, like because a lot of my time at camp, especially in those first days, I mean I, I love my some of my last days at camp because because there are two boys that are sitting right there, Silas and Harry. They'd come and help me with stuff. And my son so often, like in the last few, some of my most precious times there were when he went to the barn and helped me with those hours and hours of chores. But in those first few years, you know, I'd have a lot of time alone where I was splitting firewood or doing hay or, or just something. And I, I had this conversation, God, that ability, and I remember in those days it was choose and at first, it was choose which one's cheaper, Coke or Pepsi. <laughs> and then after this advertisement, I was like, maybe God would bless us with a billion dollars from Pepsi. And God, I, I, I promise we'll use it all. <laughs> Guess what? God didn't give us a billion dollars. He didn't. But God blessed and he met the needs. And he has been more faithful. And I have been able to see him work in more amazing ways than I could ever imagine. And I remember as I was having this conversation with God, as I was cleaning the old pool and the walls of the pool were tipping in and we tried to like push them out and put wooden planks on them to hold them out. And, and we just, we were praying that God would give us a new pool. God gave us a new pool. And when things were broken, God gave us new stuff. We got new saddles and God provided. And the blessings that, that God used people and in his timely fashion, was always so much better than if he had just slapped a billion dollars. And as we looked and as we read in in John chapter 4, I, I'd like us to open our Bibles back up to John chapter 4 this morning, to the text we read. We're going through the book of John. And so far, what we have seen is we've been traveling through the book of John, as we've seen the introduction to the Word. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who would take on flesh. In Sunday school this morning, in the men's class, we were reading and we were looking at, at old creeds of the church. From like 1600 years ago. And a lot of times, they focused in on that passage, John chapter 1. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. He was God taking on flesh. 
And then we talked about the testimony of John. If the purpose of the book of John is that these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in His name, after God the Father says in right at the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Testimony number two is John the Baptist saying, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. Then we see Jesus getting his first five disciples. And him beginning to get people to follow him and to believe in him. And then Jesus begins to perform these things called signs. Special miracles that were to point to the fact that Jesus is the great creator God. The books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell lots and lots and lots of miracles about Jesus. You read a chapter and there's miracle, 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 miracle. You get to the book of John and there's seven of them. And they got a purpose. The point that Jesus is the great creator God. And its first one is Jesus turns water into wine. And after he turns water into wine, he goes right, he goes to Jerusalem for Passover. The thing that he he was to be the Passover lamb. And so it, it does not go without notice that the real true Passover lamb to die for our sins on Passover goes into the te- temple and starts flipping over tables and driving people out with whips. I heard my wife say, say a couple times this week that there's a shirt out there. It says, you know, the big slogan is, what would Jesus do? And then on the back it says, uh, making a whip and flipping over tables is not out of the question. So that's, <laughs> I mean, I'm going, oh, okay, all right. But anyways, um, and so we got Jesus scourging the temple. And then he meets with Nicodemus at night and has this beautiful conversation with him where he challenges his faith. And then we have John the Baptist coming on the scene again and saying, this Jesus, you have to pay attention to him. And John the Baptist's whole life was, Jesus is number one, and I'm below him. Jesus is number one, I'm number two. And then he goes and he meets with a Samaritan woman, and he tells his disciples what's up, that that it's so, so important in your life that the mission of, of leading people to the, the kingdom is more important than anything. It's even more important than food. And he changes a whole town when a group of men from that Samaritan city believe in him. They believe, and that's the most important thing, according to this book, is to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that leads us to where we are here and where we've come to. And in this passage of Scripture, we, lead, we read that after Jesus had spent some time with these Samaritans, it says in verse 43, after two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. And Galilee is like his home base. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. 
So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they also had gone to the feast. So we begin to see that in Jerusalem, Jesus was making quite a stir. He was getting people's attention. People were starting to pay attention to this guy. Because let me tell you, you want to get people's attention, you do the types of things that Jesus was doing. Do, go do some miracles. Flip some tables over. Make a whip and drive people. You'll get people's attention. You might not, might not be the best attention, but you'll get people's attention. And Jesus was getting people's attention. And people were starting to pay attention to him, to see what he was doing, and to begin going, okay, maybe let's see what this guy's all about. And they're beginning to wonder and to consider and to listen to his words. And in, in verse 46, it says, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman there whose son was sick at Capernaum. And this nobleman pays attention to Jesus. He had heard of Jesus' power. And when you see... Nobleman there, the word nobleman. The word there that, that, that you read, it means a Gentile royal official. And so not only were the Jews who were looking for a Messiah, recognizing that there was something about this Jesus, but also people on the outside world. And when God is doing something, people recognize they see that God is up to something. And they see that God is moving. And that he's making a difference in people's lives. So, so I ask you, in your life, as you are serving the Lord, as you are trying to do things for Jesus Christ, are people who don't, who don't go to church, are they noticing that God is doing something different in your life? That there is something different about you because you live different, because you act different. We need to make sure that we are speaking to others, that, that the people around us, they know that what God has done for us, how God has changed our life. We need to tell them the story. I sat with someone this week as they shared the testimony of their life with someone who was an unbeliever about how God took them from a miserable place a place where alcohol was ruining their family. And when they found Jesus Christ, it changed their life. And he transformed them into the person that stood before them that day. And they said, it's not anything that I did. I don't have some secret over how to fix a ruined family. But Christ can. And if you have a relationship with him and you change your life for him, he can do something different. And I watched as someone listened intently of what Christ had done. And this man, he begs Jesus. He, he, he says, Jesus, my son is sick to the point of death. Could you, could you please come heal my son? The word there that I used up there on the screen, you can see that it's word implore. It has the idea of asking on behalf of someone you love. He was, he was begging Jesus. He said, Jesus, I love my son. Will you, 
Will you please come heal my son? I, I think that you're my, you're my hope. You're, you're the thing that can help turn this around. This son that I love is in trouble. And I, I need you to come help him. Now, we can only read what's written in front of us. I can't dive into the mind of that nobleman. I can't tell you what he was thinking at that very moment when he begged Jesus. Other than I can tell you, he showed a lot of love for his son. And he was a dad that, that cared about his son and would do, do as much as he could. And Jesus stops here. And he takes this moment and he takes this opportunity to give an example of faith. And he's going to talk to this guy about faith. One of, one of my favorite verses in the Bible opens one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And that's Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and one, verse 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And that, that chapter, as you know, goes on to describe all these people who lived by faith and did amazing things by faith, and they changed their community, they changed the world, they, they changed their situation because they had faith in God. They trusted God. And I'd like you to kind of take a look at Jesus' answer to this guy that is begging him to come and heal his son to the point of death. It says, And Jesus said to him, Unless you, you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Oh, man. Tell at first glance, now we don't know God's heart, but we see what God what God did and what he was about to do. And as we read this, and as we see what's going on, we see Jesus says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Jesus often says these types of things, I think, that kind of get people's attention. Think back to when Jesus was about to turn water into wine. And he speaks to his mother and he says, woman, what have I to do with you? My hour is not yet come. Now, I, I tell the kids at school when I'm teaching the book of John, say, don't say that to your mom. <laughs> G Jesus, it worked. If the next time your mother comes and says, hey, Timmy, go make your bed. Don't try saying, well, hey, I'll just quote Jesus. Woman, what have I to do? Do with you. My hour is not yet come. <laughs> Probably not going to work. You might say, oh, was Jesus being disrespectful? No, his hour had not yet come. Jesus was God's son and he was there for a purpose. And then, you know, what's interesting. Look at, look at what he did right after that. 
He was obedient. He followed through. And he turned that water into wine. Look at this case. If I was going to a hospital and someone said to me, Pastor, would you pray for me? I just said, Prayer? Unless you see signs and wonders, you don't believe in God. And I turned and walked out of the room. That'd be a little insensitive, wouldn't it? I'm not, I don't plan on doing that. I don't want to do that. But we need to look at what Jesus was doing here. He was going to teach a lesson. He was going to do something amazing. And we need we cannot put the period at the end of unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Because you want to know what? You got to look at Jesus' actions. Because you want to know what happens? Jesus heals. At the exact moment that Jesus settles it, says it, that settles it. No man said to her, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus says to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lived. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday, the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew it was at the same hour in which Jesus had said to him, Your son lives. And he believed in his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he came out of Judea into Galilee. As we look at this, Jesus just tells him, he says, go, your son's alive. I can only imagine being that guy. Jesus says, just go. I've taken care of it. It's fine. The nobleman had to believe. He had to Trust Jesus. He couldn't see Jesus coming up to him and putting his hand on, on this boy and taking the fever away. He couldn't watch Jesus come and, and do this. And, and I, oh. Do you want Jesus in your life? Do you want a God who said, I'm your Savior? I'm a God who's preparing a place for you. I love you more than anyone ever could. I loved you so much I died for you. I'm the victorious King of Kings and Lord of Lords who rose from the dead. I am the one who will give you access to the throne of God so you can go to him whenever you want and bring your requests before him. Do you want that Jesus? And most of us would say, yeah, I absolutely will. There's one thing you got to understand about Jesus. Jesus is all of those things. He's your Savior, your Redeemer, your eternal King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the champion. He is the ruler. He is so much. He is God 
taking on flesh. He's been there, done that, and done that victoriously. And he wants to be your God. But what he isn't, is he's not your genie in a bottle. You understand? If you think today that you pick up this book, and you take it and you rub it really hard, that out of it is going to pop a big blue guy, like in that movie Aladdin, I'll grant you three wishes. That's not Jesus. He's so much better than that. And he's not going to give you what you want. He's going to give you what you need. And could you imagine if he gave us what he wanted? If he would have given me what I wanted, it probably would have been that billion dollars. and I would have missed so much of what he's doing personally. I would have never grown in my faith. I probably would have done terrible things with that money. I probably would have promised God I would have used it right and would have used it wrong. And I, I, I remember having conversations with God. I said, God, it wouldn't be like, like I would be scratching off a lottery ticket. But then I got to think about it. And I was even thinking about this yesterday. I was like, way back then, I was, I was buying those Pepsis, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll win a billion dollars or something, choosing that over a Coke for a month or something. And I was thinking to myself, I, I probably should have just, I should have probably just bought the lottery ticket. My health would have been better, right? And I would have had, had to suffer through all that soda. Now, I'm not, please don't think I'm suggesting that you go buy lottery tickets. You're missing the whole point, if that's what you think I'm saying. The nobleman believed, even though he didn't see it. Maybe, maybe this was all a coincidence, and this is one of my favorite things to say. When I see God moving, and I don't think I go, I go a week without saying this to somebody, I say sarcastically, and if you ever hear me say this, I'm being sarcastic. Please know that. When I say, well, maybe that was, we prayed about that, and God answered it. Maybe that was just a coincidence. You know what I want you to say? I think because God answers prayers. God does things for your good. You might not think it's that way, but he's working all things together for good. To those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. Even on those terrible, no good Horrible, very bad days. Jesus Christ is moving and he is doing doing that. The, the, the author here, John, he wants to make you realize that this is not a coincidence. It's not like the kid was beginning to get better and he went and he talked to Jesus. And then, and then oh, it just so happened that this kid. No, he says it happened at the same hour. It says it happened at the seventh hour which would have been about our 1 p.m. because the hours started at the time the sun came up. And so best guess as we could say is that this happened at the seventh hour. I'd like to give you a list because we've been putting and talking about these things called signs. And for those of you taking notes, I'm going to put this up often. 
as we travel through the book of John, there are seven miracles, seven signs that point to the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. The first one happens in John chapter 2, when Jesus turns water into wine. The second one is here, and Jesus heals the nobleman's son. I have John chapter, the seventh one, up there already. And that's on purpose. That's not a typo. It's not like I forgot to delete that one when I was putting the slide up there. Because look, it says John chapter 2 in verse 19. And the reason I put that up there right now is because Jesus had already, and it's something you've got to understand about Jesus. Jesus had a purpose and he had a plan. From the time he came to this world, he knew that his mission, his hour, was to die on the cross and rise again. And from the very moment he started his ministry, he's like, this is why I came. This is what I'm here for. Is to die on the cross and rise again. And when you see me risen from the dead, there will be no question at all that I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has come to pay for your sins. Amen. These miracles, these signs, they can change a whole family. I read in John chapter 4. And verse 53, it says that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. I think about that. All these miracles, all these signs that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. They have a purpose. They have to do with believing. Believing, believing. Remember, that's the key word of this book. It's in there a hundred times. And the, the result of this miracle is a whole family, a whole Gentile family believes that Jesus is God's son. Each one of these signs increases. It's like it keeps escalating and escalating and escalating with every miracle we see in this book. With at the top, the pinnacle of the miracles being Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins. Each one gets a little bit more grand. Each one gets more public. And each one brings a little bit more controversy. Remember our first miracle, Jesus turning water into wine. I'm sure news had gotten out about it. But that was done for Jesus and his, and his disciples. It was kind of a private event. And turning water into wine, you might say... Say, well, maybe they just got the wrong jug. And there wasn't a whole lot of controversy. This one doesn't bring a whole lot of controversy, but some more people know about it. The, the, the scope of the miracle is getting a little broader. And this miracle, Jesus saying, hey, your son's alive. And at that moment, it happens. God is showing, hey, I'm a miracle working God who heals who changes lives, who is God's son. I am not your, your genie to be ordered around, but I care about you and your position. And if you have faith in me, you will see greater things than you'll ever see on your own. And that's the truth. A sign is not sufficient for believing faith. In Jesus Christ. Believing faith is a gift of God. So the fact that you say, you know, I believe in a miracle working God. I believe in a God that does miracles. 
great. But that's not going to get you to heaven. I've talked to a lot of people who said they believe in a God that does miracles. But you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to live verses like John, like Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Oh, Jesus Christ, not miracles, right? Because if you're just, if your hope is in the miracles that God gives you, sometimes God says, yeah, I'll I'll give you a miracle. I'll give you a sign. In Judges chapter 6, God gave Gideon a sign, didn't he? He had that fleece. And he said, God, if I put the fleece out and the fleece is wet, but the ground is dry, then... You know, that'd be awesome, God. I'll see that that you want me to do this. And then the next day, he says, okay, God, let the ground be wet, but the fleece be dry. He wanted a sign. Jesus gave all these signs that he was the Son of God. In Isaiah chapter 7, it talks about, this will be a sign unto you. And what was it? That the virgin... Would, be, would have a child, right? And God gives us lots of signs. But we have to believe in Him. In His Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. And we'll see. I tell you, I tell you what. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have no idea what you're missing out on. Because Jesus works And he moves and he answers prayer. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 it says, It is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I think about it and I think back to that 20 year old fresh out of Bible college student that says, God just please could you give me a billion dollars. I wish I could go back to him and give him some advice and say you you could ask for that one thing from God and you might never talk to him again if you had gotten that answer. Have faith in him and watch how when problems come God will answer. How when Things are falling apart and you need something. God will provide. How when a child gets sick and you need a God to heal, God will heal. How when you need the grace of God to change someone's life so that they could be saved for all of eternity, the Holy Spirit will move in their life. How when you have faith in God and you trust Him, and you, you need him to answer a prayer. He will. How you'll think about like a small prayer. that So the world could pull off as say is a coincidence. You will see that God is moving and that he is real. And he is doing something amazing. When someone calls on the phone and says, says Scott, can we pray about this? I have no idea where my loved one is right now. And I'm scared. They've been gone for hours. And you pray with them. And as you say, amen, 
their carpools in the driveway. Coincidence? I think not. Our God's a wonderful God who answers prayers. Who does, as the Bible says, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that what you want from us, what you desire from us, is faith. Faith like this nobleman. I thank you, Lord, that you have our best interest at heart. Help us to learn this lesson that this nobleman learned, that you are not a cheap conjurer of tricks, not a genie in a bottle, but you're a God who will move heaven and earth to answer the request, to do the miraculous, to show yourself faithful to those who have faith and believe in you. Lord, first, help us to trust in you as our personal Savior, to acknowledge that you are Lord of our lives, and to then begin to watch you work. And when we see your mighty hand moving heaven and earth to do amazing things in, in our lives, and we'll be able to say, praise you, Lord. You're a God who does not disappoint. You are God of the miraculous. Help us to see that and to see the great things that you do. Be with us as we go forward and try to live for you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.